0: Uh, Matter mm-hmm. number one two one two three seventeen, Aquena Bamaria versus Grantham, Mary, and others. The
1: Honourable Chief Justice Pat S. C. and Deputy Chief Justice
0: Martin, presiding.
2: Good morning, everybody. I'm hearing talking. Is that a cell phone? No. Okay. Thanks for all coming. Um Who is here for the first respondent? Can you just introduce yourselves for the record?
0: Morning, Chief Yes. and the cop. My name is Mr. Um, I'm a senior counsel, and um, I'm appearing before our first um, respondent. Okay, good morning, Good morning, honorable justices. I am Dino Mendise,
3: appearing. On behalf
2: of the first respondent, thank you. The second respondent, who is the counsel, who so is the senior counsel?
4: Good morning, Chief Justice, Deputy Chief Justice. I am Lerato Cosa and I'm appearing on behalf of the second respondent. I will actually be dealing with our heads in its entirety and then with me is my junior counsel. Okay.
1: Good morning, Chief Justice. Uh, my name is Kudrano. I'm appearing on
2: the uh, second respondent. Thank you so much. Okay. Do you want to start? First respondents? Go ahead. Oh, you can you give me to be
0: some one? Please. What's going on? As this is the question, I would like to uh, make a point in Yamine put it before um, the court that the effects of this case are fundamentally different from that of the case
1: mm-hmm. this
0: is to mean that um, in the case there were no any development or any processes to be undertaken to develop the seed land mm-hmm. and um, to the facts before court there is a process underway to develop the affected land
2: sorry I'm just gonna put my timer on so that I I, I can see how long you're going okay. so I'm not I'm not watching my phone or anything. Very ah. good. Okay. Um, I
0: will then um, proceed to my introduction. Okay. The matter before court concerns um, the true determination of the compensation that is, which is um, just and equitable, not just equitable, but then according to the sec- section 25 of the Constitution. Um, the summary of the main arguments is basically on the appropriate compensation. The court is to determine what amount would be, if needed be, to compensate the first respondent. The first respondent actually obvious that the actual value of the land has to be valued based on its current process to develop it. The second respondent or the state are actually not agreeing to this. That is why the matter came before court. The constitution says that if parties to expropriation do not agree to the amount of compensation, court can then determine an amount which is just inequitable. Um, The main submission I would like to make here is that when the court determines an amount which is just inequitable, takes into account certain section in the Constitution, which is section 25, subsequent 2, and subsequent 3. I will then um, move to this section. Um, it is a common fact that the matter before this court satisfies those requirements which are in the Constitution. And um, my first focus would be in section 25, subsequent 2, of the constitution which says as follows when there is expropriation it must be done in terms of the law of general application. The second one says it must be for the public purpose or interest. And the third one is, is that um, the amount to be compensated has to be just and equitable. So um, what is just and equitable justice in terms of this matter has to actually um, um go about equating the interest of those that um, are affected and the public interest so this would mean that in order for our first respondent or our client interest to be taken into account certain factors such as um the process which is on its way to develop that seed land will have to be taken into account section 25 three. Substanti- goes further to list five factors, which the court will have to take into account when arriving at an amount that is just inequitable. The first factor would be as follows. is the current use of property. It is a common fact that um, the family used the property since the time of um, acquisition for agricultural purposes. But then, um, when the court determines an amount which is just inequitable, will not only have to focus on the agricultural purposes only. The court will have to also consider or take into account the process which is underway to develop the land. The second factor is the history of acquisition, which basically I would like to um, focus on our client, the way our client acquired the seed land. Our client actually um, inherited the land from her father. The land was back then Um, acquired or there was a community which stayed there which was forcefully removed and then the land um, became vacant for a period of years, which according to common law means that if a land is vacant for a certain number of years, a person who happens to acquire that land will not have to um, actually take the responsibilities of those that forcefully remove certain people who stayed there before. Meaning that um, our client here, who is the first respondent, um, did not participate in the forcefully removal of land to the community of um, Aguanabamara.
2: Sorry, can I just disturb you? Yes. How long between the forceful removal and them acquiring the land is the, the, the amount of time that okay, needs um, to be done?
0: It has been put to me by my client that um, it was a period of over 100 years.
2: So they were forcefully removed and within a hundred years later
0: Land um became vacant.
2: The land was vacant and yes. they took over from nineteen twenty. Yes. Okay, so this was around eighteen twenty?
0: Yes, um that's what that that was when they acquired the land. So meaning that um the period of um
2: hundred years was between 19, 1820
5: and nineteen twenty. Yes. Sorry, council, if I could just also ask you a question in line with sisters questioning. Okay. When you when the second when the first respondent acquired the land through inheritance, was there a, a land claim? Was did she know of a, a pending land claim at um, the time that she inherited the, the property?
0: No, no, um there was actually not that. Um excuse the court may I continue Yeah you can thank you. The third requirement is the market value of the property. When the court determines compensation in terms of this factor, it will then have to consider the actual value of the land at this time. And since here there's a process on its way to actually develop this land, the could would also be bound to take it into account. This is to mean that um, the actual value of the land according to the agro- agri- agricultural purposes, it is 940,000. That is um the second responder submission based on um, uh, the estimation which they are given by the city of Jan- the Johannesburg, um, Valois. So um, we submit that this actually fails to take into account the process because um, this is the amount solely focused on um, the ag- agricultural purposes. I would like to put it to court that the process should become a success this land would worth a lot. And our client has actually filed payments waiting for approval for the process. And she even took out a loan and signed herself as a surety. Coming to um, the fourth factor, the extent of direct-stage investment and subsidy, this factor does not, at this particular matter, um, 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 apply. This is because it mainly focuses on if the owner of the land back then during apartheid got any assistance from the government, which is um government of apartheid, to um, develop the land. So um, I would truly skip this factor. And the last factor is the purpose of expropriation. The purpose of expropriation is really important in determining the amount which is just incredible. The reason is as follows this is because the Expropriation Act says that it should, the court conferred or uh, having to decide an amount which is just inequitable, will have to also take the last factor in the constitution which is purpose of the expropriation. The purpose here is for the public purpose or interest, meaning that the main aim of restitution is for the public benefit and then if it's for the public benefit there should be an equitable balance of those rights of the current owner and the public and um, I would like to put it to court that um, an appropriate amount with this guard to this um, appropriate uh, uh, um, section, I just quoted in the Constitution, would be an amount that takes into account the future purpose or the future developments which is um, on its way to um, comment. In the case of Dutrae Vice Ministry of Transport, the court was um, faced with the question of whether Exploration Act still to define its existence in concern with the Constitution. The court held that, yes, the act does apply. Sorry, counsel,
5: just to, um, can you just take us through to where you make reference to that case in your heads of argument work? P8. Thank you so okay. much.
0: Mm-hmm, yes, um, the court was faced with the question of whether Suppression Act finds its existence into this constitution. The court held that yes, it does, since the act does not go inconsistent with the constitution. The constitution as the fundamental law of the country or the supremacy law would mean that each and every legislation which is there has to comply with it. Then um, the act does comply with the constitution. Coming to um, the actual formula for compensation, it's um, quite obvious from the Constitution, interpreting it literally, that it has to be just equitable. And um, I would like to refer to the case of Highland residents, which um, the formula was found, and the court um, basically said this. The compensation, which is just equitable at that time and manner, has to recompense. This means that the party in whose land is to be taken from Will left to be paid for the actual loss. And um, according to our client here, or the matter before this court, this would mean that when the court determines that amount, takes into account the um, personal circumstances, which um, one of it would be that this her uh, only asset. And um, after becoming a widow, she went back there and stayed. That's when she took over the whole process and um, thought of investing in this property. That's when she realized that she would need to develop this land to make sure that when she retires she has something to um, um, cater for um, herself and her family. In the case of um, Langanishwani community, the court um, accepted and quoted the formula stated in the um, previous case of islands that um, the compensation must be just and equitable in order to compensate the loss suffered by the person in whose land is taken from. Justices, I would like to um, submit that if the compensation to be awarded to our client does not take into account one of the factors I just um, stated above or um, a while ago, this would not be just an incredible, being that compensation on its natural meaning would mean that we take the land and we actually pay you based on what you've lost. So the main formula for compensation is that it actually pays the person so affected of um, the loss the person just suffered. Coming to the principle of um, pointer Garde, I would say that um, primarily this principle has two um, criteria. The first one is that it makes sure or it is there to make sure that there is no overpaying to the seller. This would mean, in its opposite sense, that there must not be underpaying, which means that our client will have to be compensated based on the actual use of the line in the process, which is on its way. Since she has already signed herself as a surety and taken loan, meaning that so soon the development will be starting. In a case supporting this principle, it's a case of saving versus the Metropolitan Board of Works. So, um, in this case, the court held that when Parliament gives compensatory powers and provides that compensation shall be made to a person from whom property is taken, that compensation has um, to cover what the person actually lost. So the appropriate conversation in this sense would include everything, starting from the factors in the constitution, coming to um, the process on its way, and also taking the personal um, circumstances that um, this was her only asset. And she thought of investing on this land by um, doing this development. Um, In my conclusion, I would like to remind the court of um important submission I made for determination what is just an equitable conversation. Um, justices, it is a common fact that the second respondent are willing to pay our client one hundred and forty thousand that is according to um factor which is only for its current use or the um, history of its use, which is the agricultural purposes. The Department of Land, which is being um, the one to compensate, does not take into account the process which is on its way now. So um, this would mean that if this process becomes a success, this land in a decade or in a period of 10 years would cost half a billion. So, um, I submit to court or put it before court that it primarily focuses on these factors. And um, the reasons said by the respondent are as follows. The first one is that the current value does not mainly take into account the process as outlined a while ago. The landowners, the landowners have made signif- significant investments, as I um, said ago, which um, one of it is the loan, and I'm um, buying the vehicle to actually develop the downtown farm. And um, the use of land, meaning that it would then change after such development. Um, the pra- prayers are as follow, where of the respondent praise that. The court dismiss the second respondent's submission and um, grant the following orders: that the amount to be paid to the first respondent be an amount that takes into account the process on its way, and when the court tries to find an amount which is just and equitable, does not only confine itself to the matters that are only pertaining to the land. Also, focuses on other circumstances and um, factors. Um, alternatively, we pray that the decision be dismissed and the applicant be granted equitable redress in the form of an amount which the court would find just and um, appropriate. We um, further pray that the cost, the cost of um, true counsel be our debt to, part- to party state. Thank you.
2: Before you sit down. All right. You've mentioned in limine that the facts are different. Are you asking for any pre with regards to the in limine point?
0: Sorry?
2: Are you asking any relief from your in limine point? You, you started by saying you ma- you making an in limine point mm-hmm. and you're distinguishing the one case from your case, the okay, facts of the okay, one.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, actually, what
2: was, was there any pre that you were asking for in relation to that or did you just want to state that up front?
0: Um I just wanted to say that up front so that um, when the court confines itself to um this matter, it does not rely heavily on the facts of Mr. case, because there was no process underway no to um develop the land.
2: And this rezoning, when did it start? Before or after the notice was given?
0: Um it was actually before.
2: Before? How yes. far before?
0: Do um, we know? I think the period of two to five years.
2: And has it been finalized the rezoning process?
0: Yes, um hence she even took up um a loan and signage of the shortage. We are actually waiting for approval, which is 95%, um, to be granted.
2: And that's nowhere in your head, hey? You haven't set out these facts in your heads, is that correct?
0: Um. Okay.
2: You could go to 1.3, which would be the summary of your argument, or you could go to 4.1, Um. But I, I don't seem to see it anywhere, unless I'm mistaken.
0: Um, I would like to put to court that um, basically you are talking to it since it was um, part of um, an oral argument.
2: Yeah, I know it's an oral argument, but it's not in your heads. It's not written anywhere.
0: Yeah, but it's found um provisions, provisions um, are in the heads.
2: I know, but what you've said now is not found in the heads. Precisely. Yeah, the hundred years is also not found in the heads, as well as the rezoning started two to five years prior to the notice. That's also not found in the heads. Yes.
5: In, in line with, with um, the recent questioning, you've stated in your oral submissions that if, if the approval comes through, the property will be worth billions in the future. Yes. Um, you'll recall that in the Maziza case, which you've referred, to, which you know is quite a well-known case in these matters, and which you said is distinguishable, okay. that there was an offer, there was an offer to to purchase the the, the property of some sorts, um, and the court in that instance said that that this this was an offer which might not materialise. Do you not think that it would be grossly unfair of us to grant an award of a minimum of 10 million Rand if there's a possibility that the rezoning application doesn't come through. How do we know for certain that the rezoning and the uh, development will come through?
0: Um, well during the consultation with our client she actually put to us that um, she has already signed um, 10 permits out of 15 permits meaning that um, there are only five permits which um, are left to be signed and um, positively since um lot of the payments um well became a success, these um filing of payments would also become a success.
5: Because uh, do you also if I could just ask you because there's no doubt the second respondent will address this point. I just want to get your input on this because again it's it's not directly mentioned in your heads. Okay. Um, another point that was raised in Maziza is the fact that. When the state has to pay a compensation, they're utilising public funds. So they have limited resources available. Do you do you not think that a minimum payout of 10 million rand on the premise of potentially a, a development is a very hefty burden for the state to carry, for taxpayers to pay out?
0: Um, well, coming to the state on how to pay this, we not really want the amount of as a lump sum, the state would it would be feasible for the state to pay um, even maybe pay instalments.
2: And tell me something you said. The, on the you must look at the history of the acquisition. Yes. They haven't paid any amount for this property, this family. To, to, to they didn't buy the property, so they didn't they didn't purchase the property. Um, According to your argument,
0: yeah, they got hence, it because they were there. Hence, I'd like to common law. Yes. According to common law, if certain period passes, and then you happen to um, be the one to be there on that particular land, you assume ownership.
2: If and you've been there for 100 years. And
0: then that period, um, actually submitted to the court that it has actually lapsed.
2: And, and what I'm asking is, they didn't purchase the land. They didn't buy it. Like, if you're buying land today, the market price is a million rand. You pay a million rand. You want to sell it in three years' time. You sell it for one point five million. You make a profit of five hundred um, thousand. They, they didn't purchase the land when they bought it in nineteen twenty. They just acquired the land for nothing um, in nineteen twenty. Is that li- correct?
0: I would like to believe that um the father of our client, who is um a predecessor, mm-hmm. they, sorry um yeah um would have maybe paid to the state.
2: No, sir. Dependent. I don't want you to likely believe. Mm. You're either submitting factually that he paid for it or factually you don't know. Don't don't likely believe. Um. That's, that's not where we're going. We're going on facts. Do you know as a fact whether he paid for the property or not? No, I'm not just. Okay, that's, that's perfect. Anything else? No? Okay. Thank okay. you so
3: All right. much. Thank you so much.
4: the Council
2: of intimacy. Just give me a second. Okay, can I proceed? During the course of this
4: year, property, li- property rights on, on land was actually at the heart of every debate in, in, in South Africa. Being in Parliament, uh, mm-hmm. being ordinary citizens, being also academics, we cannot also overemphasise the importance of this case in its uniqueness where the first respondent submits that uh, we should actually move away from the interpretation that is provided for by Section 25, Section 3, from paragraph A to, to, to E, where they say that we should actually take the personal circumstances of, of the first respondent, those which those which were alluded in paragraphs 6 and 9 of the compromise. We submit that the correct manner of evaluation uh, starts where we determine that there was an act of expropriation, which already the council has already alluded. I will not actually go into detail because they already alluded and we concede to that. But what I would like to add is that the, the term expropriation is quite vague. in in our law, and it's not defined. The court, however, in Huckstein defined it as the constitutional court, rather defined it as expropriation as the compulsory acquisition of rights in property by public authority, compulsory, which means uh, by way of law. As already alluded, I will not go into section 25, subsection 2, because already it has been covered by the, the first respondent. I will actually start from our heads in paragraph three, the fourth line from the bottom. What is left for this court now is to determine what is just an equitable compensation for the land that has been expropriated, which section 25, subsection two, paragraph B states that once an expropriation has been done, what is left is as um, compensation to be paid out, as the formula is laid out by parag- subsection three, from paragraph A to E. We submit that in Caesar, the court had that section twenty-five of the constitution gives discretion to the courts. Uh, where a dispute arises into what is just an equitable amount to for the court to determine what is just an equitable. It is therefore our submission that the valuation of property by the City of Johannesburg should be accepted by the court as it was conducted by an expert, as envisaged in the case of City of Johannesburg versus the Valuations Appeals Board. Uh, of the city of Johannesburg. The fact that the first respondent in paragraph six of the compromise has made some investments or sureatorship should not be taken into account by the court as this would result as a future benefit, not a present benefit to what we are here today for.
5: I and we stop here on that point? Um, because the point that you've raised now is what. Um, your learned friend raised in terms of what we uh, what, uh, actually as a point in lemonade. He said that the facts of his case, or this particular case, are distinguishable from Aziza. Um, if you can address us on that, how, do you agree that, that the facts of this case are distinguishable?
4: Yes, yes I I do agree, but only on the point that Personal circumstances of the owner should be taken into account, and also that a development which has commenced has to be taken into account. But we submit that it's a future benefit, and therefore we cannot um, we cannot have uh, a distinctive thin- 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 qualification of what the future benefit will be.
2: Are you s- sorry? I'm I'm getting a bit confused. Are you saying that? it's not distinguishable and Mziza stands? Or are you are saying Mziza, in this case, doesn't stand and you're not relying on it?
4: We are actually relying on Mziza in terms of section of the guidelines that were laid in terms of, of section 25, subsection 3. But then, remember in Mziza, personal circumstances and uh, the, the developments of the property were, were not there. And we will concede to that they were not there, but then CISA laid down the the guidelines that it should be the constitution that lays out what is just and equitable. Okay. If it pleases the court, this will only mean that the applicants should claim the applicants being the community if we were to take uh, the developments that will happen in future. It will mean that the applicants also should claim that the, ben- the the benefits that were from 1920 when they were expropriated of the land, it was actually, uh, in. it's not in our heads, but it was actually our argument last night with my, my Leonard friend that um, if we would have to take into account a future benefit, would we not also be that we should take into account the historical benefits of of, of the of the first respondent, because there is the first respondent has benefited from the land. We therefore submit that if that were to, were to take into account by the court, restitu- restitution and land reform will not be possible, and award of this nature will not will only allow persons to claim benefits that do not exist. Mm-hmm. But would to a large extent undermine the purpose of land restitution. In versus in Masia, in paragraph 3, the court held that persons cannot be punished for crimes which are non existent. As this we applied into our, our case, the future benefit cannot be qualified. It is therefore for these reasons that we submit to the court that the manner of calculating compensation in terms of expropriation should be in terms of section 25, subsection 3, from paragraph A to E. When looking at the market value, the weight that is attached to market value, we submit that yes, over the years, case law stated that um, market value should be the starting point of determining what is just and equitable. However, the courts did say that it should be a starting point but then they also emphasized that it, it does not weigh more than the other factors that are listed in paragraph A to paragraph E, which you submit that the court should take into account. In Caesar again, the court had that market value is not the basis of determining compensation under Section 25, where property was acquired in a comp- in a compulsory fashion. The court had that the point of departure was just inequitable. That market value, my uh, market value was just a consideration, and it should not weigh more than the other factors that are listed in the Constitution. What we propose as a starting point to what to, to what to be determined as just and equitable is found in the city of Cape Town versus Hindenburg, where the court had that compensation of expropriation was a constitutional matter by virtue of Section 25, and therefore the, the, the compensation should be paid in accordance in the Bill of Rights, nothing else, nothing more. We say that in Detroit the court stated that it is the constitution, not legislation or any factor that provides the principles that are applicable when property is exp- expropriated. This was therefore affirmed by MCISA, where the court comp- where the court had that compensation must be prescribed by the constitution. Coming to look uh, into the factors of, of of the personal factors of the owner, as I have already alluded. Section 25 requires that the state should not pay more than what is what is due, as this will have a negative impact on the taxpayer. This is my own emphasis. It is also our submission that the first respondent entered into the contract with the downtown company in a malified fashion just to increase the amount of, of, of compensation.
2: Are you saying that um, this new rezoning happened per, after the notice was given or prior to the notice? After. After, after notice. You're saying yes. after. Yes.
4: This is actually in paragraph, is it paragraph 9, let me just, of, of, of the congregation. Yeah, it's paragraph six of the compromise, that is after, because this has been going on for, for years, but then my fellow counsel has extensive knowledge on on that, I think he will address it in Okay.
5: This. If you can also just pause there, um, your learned friend indicated that the uh, first respondent has really gone out on a limb to actually subdivide this particular property and to rezone it, to basically improve it. Um, to the extent that she um, has had to take out a loan, she's gotten herself into debt. Um, how, 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 What are your submissions to us in that regard? Do you not think that it is uh, not just and equitable that we pay her out an amount which is going to leave her basically destitute?
4: My justice, as i said the the first respondent has entered into this into this contract in a malified fashion just to increase the the value of expropriation, so we cannot now compensate a malified uh, intention if it pleases the court, may we
2: continue yes.
4: We submit that the pe- her personal circumstances that are listed in paragraph nine of the compromise should not, this includes that she doesn't have uh, education and, and so on and so forth, should not also be taken into account by the court. It's not there in the Constitution. As it was established in the case of Bina versus Minister Van Landbaum, where the court had that market value is an objective concept that should be determined by Looking at the circumstances of the property, not the circumstances of the owner, we further submit that the factors listed in t- in terms of section 25, subsection 3, should of should be of paramount importance. Should only be what the court looks into, as it, it had in season. Furthermore, in season. The court had that compensation should be just and equitable. My justices, I'm referring to Cesar because we, we submit that it's a ground-breaking uh, case moving away from the two-step approach which was um, made in, in Highlands. Gentlemen, what is just and equitable by striking a balance between the interests of pri- pri- private landowners and those of the public. moving right along to the point guide rule principle rather this principle finds its existence in the case between point guide quorum transport according to this principle the assessment of the market value of of land acquired in expropriation no regard should be made to an, any increase or decrease of the land we therefore submit that um, if the court would actually take into account uh, the developments that are, that are happening now which are also submit, subjected to permits which have not also been been signed and so on. It should also take into account the point guideline principle which says that any increase or decrease of, of, of the land should not be taken into account when an expropriation scheme has already commenced.
5: So, just to stop you there, um, Are we to understand you correctly that the fact that there is a, a pending um, rezoning which may or not, not may, or may not come to fruition, we, we shouldn't even consider that in terms of this particular principle. Can
3: that that's just this, please?
5: Sure. The point guard principle, you've just stated that, that uh, the underlying principle is that um, you shouldn't be looking at an increase or decrease of the value of the land. Mm. Um, would you in light of that principle, are you saying that your learned friend is incorrect to submit that the possible rezoning, successful rezoning of the property has any bearing on on our consideration in terms of compensation? Yes, my justice, thank you for, for, for leading me to the right direction. It's
4: it's what we're saying. We're saying the court should consider this principle just in case it takes into account yeah. The Point Garner principle has been applied and reinstated in several cases as a yardstick to determine what is a fair market value where expropriation scheme may uh, influence the land of the value. The principle finds its way in in our law in terms of section 12, subsection 5, paragraph F of the Expropriation Act. Also in Caesar, also in Caesar. The court applied the point guard principle. It had that it is a helpful guide to a fair and objective determination of what market value is, since it precludes the subjectives of price increase or decrease because of the act of, of, of expropriation. It was also applied in Kumalo v. Port again. Port, thanks. where the court held that the point-guided principle, under this principle the market value at the time of expropriation must be determined by disregarding any increase or decrease in the market value consequent upon the scheme of expropriation. It means once, um, just to explain further, it means once uh, a notice of expropriation has, has been served, just as it has been said with the first respondent, any regard should not be taken into account in increase or decrease of the property. In, in conclusion, my justices, we therefore submit that the correct approach of calculating compensation is the one that is exp- established in Caesar. It, it affirms the supremacy of the Constitution in terms of Section two, Section Two, and it moves away from the two-step approach, which was uh, established in the case of Highlands. Market value is no longer the starting point; all the factors must be taken into account. In our prayers. We, pay, we pray for an order rejecting the first respondent's re- request of the amount of 15 uh, million and alternatively an alternative amount not less than 10 million for compensation. An order accepting the proposed offer by the second respondent, which is 940,000, the cost of the suit, and any further or alternative relief that the court may grant.
2: so much. Thank you, my Justices. Anyway, ma'am. As it pleases the court,
3: I will first begin by addressing questions posed by my honourable justices. The Chief Justice asked the second respondent what happens if the development is not successful. We, as the first respondent, submit to the court that it ought to take into consideration external factors. Section 25, subsequent three provides that, including factors mentioned uh, related to the factors which ought to, to be taken into regard, we also need to take into consideration external factors which are relevant to the particular matter at hand, and we submit to this honourable court that we do acknowledge that it is not a known fact if it will be it will actually amount to that uh, amount stipulated, uh, which, if successful, um, would amount to. However, we. Submit to this honorable court that Miss Gratham is actually a widow. She dedicated her time to the downtown farm and taking into regard, disregarding the fact that she intended to rezone the area, the farm, for purposes of her retirement and to secure her future would be a grave injustice to her. And a further question was posed with regard to the history of acquisition. My co-counsel alluded to the fact that we had there was a period of a hundred years uh, in which land was unoccupied. Uh, we acknowledge the fact that it is not in the heads of argument, um, and we beg the court's p- uh, we, get, we beg the court's pardon in this regard. However, we submit to this Honorable Court that it was not the Gratham family who forcibly removed the community. They merely acted on behalf, acted on on, on the basis of common law which states that if land is unoccupied, it may be taken ownership of. And that is how we, that is how our client acquired the ownership of the land. Um, The second respondent relies on the Maciza case even when there's a fundamental difference in that there is currently a development taking place with regard to um, the land being rezoned from agricultural to commercial and we submit that it is not necessarily relevant to the factors at hand and we ought to we ought to take into regard that when interpreting um, the Messisa case, we should rely we should actually interpret it not only on its grammatical meaning but let us look at the history let, let us look at the context of it as well as um, the purpose behind it. If I can just stop here then <coughs>
5: because. What comes across in Aziza is this issue of the point guard principle. Correct. Now, my understanding of your opponent's submissions to us is that once you get the notice of expropriation, that's the line in the sand. That's that's the peg in the sand. Um, anything that happens to the property after, after that point, whether there's an increase or a decrease in the value of the property shouldn't be considered. Do you not think that 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 the point guard principle is directly opposite to your case in terms of what you've to us in that regard.
3: Well, we take into consideration that um, with regard to the point guard rule, principle rather, it was basically founded on the fact that market value is the starting point. And in our submissions, we Submit that when interpreting legislation and common law factors, we ought to first rely on the constitution. That should be the starting point of um, of interpretation of you know external factors such as the point guard rule. Um, with regard to the rezoning, um, the rezoning of land. We, with regard to the rezoning of land, in paragraph five of the second respondent's submission, I'd like to refer your Honourable Justices to paragraph five of the second
2: respondent's submission.
3: Yes. Second respondents submit that rezoning and developments of the land came into fruition after it was clear that the property would no longer belong to the owner, and then the loans were made in bad faith. It is submitted that this is based on inaccurate information, because as relied on, as 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 stated in our facts, the rezoning. It is not a known fact when exactly the rezoning took place, whether it took place after it had been known to the owner or before. And we submit that um, the second respondent is relying on inaccurate information. And we further submit that the loans, it cannot be that the the first respondent um, made the loans in bad faith because she stood herself up for surety and this is basically an obligation on her part and it would be beneficial, it would be prejudicial to her should she not be compensated duly. We therefore submit that the point guard principle ought to be disregarded and as a piece of the court I shall not take my Thank you.
4: Anything good?
2: Sorry, um, before you carry on sorry. I was just writing what you were saying. The they referred us to the the case notes, were you also relying on the case notes? Um, the ones in our submission? Yes. Yes, I- Because they referred us to paragraph nine and paragraph six of the case notes. Yes, I was referring to paragraph
3: six. It, it reads, Miss Gratham others that this is incorrect. She says that the process for rezoning and developing the process is well underway. And based on just that uh, particular point, it is not known whether it is indeed a fact because this was mainly an averment uh, by the first respondent.
5: So, in other words, if you read paragraphs 6 and 9, it's not clear. It doesn't say for certain the date
2: of the notice and the date of the rezoning. And that is correct. So on these facts, we, we can't tell which, which happened first. That is correct, John. Yes. Okay. And these are the facts that both parties relied on. Is that correct? That is correct. So these are the only facts we should look at. Yes, precisely. Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, sir.
1: Thank you, my justices. Um, before I commence with our rebuttal, I'd like to um, invite the court the act, the National Building Regulations and Building Standards Act 103 of 1977. Now, the first respondents have submitted to the court that they, their permits have not received, um, they have not received permission to carry on with the rezoning and development. Now in terms of this act, at section 4, 5, and 8, Um, it lays out the time frame required to receive permission for building plans it is six weeks for drawing plans it is two months in terms of the property or, 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 or the nature of the property some would go for one month but this particular property requires only two months and further on if they are applying for line relaxation it would um, extend the time with an an additional three months. So based on this act, for permission to be granted, they would only need roughly six months. So they have not received um, permission to carry on with the rezoning and development of the farm, which would mean that um, the investment of 900,000 was within the period of the past six or five months.
2: But can you say that as a fact? Because wouldn't it be possible with all departments that there's some lag and there's some delay and then something happens and things get pushed out, that it could very well be that it's been longer than the six-month time period? Where can you show me definitively that it is within the six-month period?
1: Well, I am going in relation to the Act, Because in Section 8, it does give um, the first respondent's leave to approach the court where there is a <coughs> lag in order to fast track um, the permissions that are needed. And, and this saying? case has been before the court for years to the detriment of the, applica- of the, of the applicants as per the facts.
2: Okay, and you're saying that they haven't brought any application to fast-track their permission, to say there's been this delay. You're supposed to do it in six months, and it's now taken you, as the first council had said, two to five years. Precisely. And they haven't done that. If that was the case, they would have pushed for it a lot sooner. Precisely. Is that what you say? Is that the only point you want to make? No. On this issue.
1: In addition to, in addition to it being within the last six, or at at worst, maybe a year. But, but you don't know
2: that as fact. Yes. All we know is that they haven't made any applications.
1: Yes. Okay. That is the okay. submission we put before the court. Okay. So, so
5: besides the interpretation of the legislation, which indicates time frames, um, just in line with what we've indicated to your opponent, that if you read paragraphs 6 and 9, which is what has been filed with us, that in terms of paragra- paragraph 6 and 9, it, it doesn't make a clear distinction as to exactly when the notice was granted or, or notice was given and the rezoning was applied for. Mm-hmm. So, so do you agree that what, in terms of what's been filed with us, in terms of paragraph 6 and 9, it's, it's unclear, it's uncertain?
1: I, 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 I would, I would mm-hmm. say so, to my justice. Okay, just...
2: can you can carry on.
1: Now, um, section 25 subsection so 3 deals with public and private interest. The first respondents have put before the court that the personal circumstances of their client must be taken into regard when calculating or when evaluating the property in terms of section 25 subsection 3 at paragraph C. Now the court in Kumalo versus Port Gitar, as we have mentioned in our heads of argument, um, that was a Supreme Court of Appeal case, the, they held that when interpreting that section that I have just mentioned, that the point guard rule must be interpreted to be read with it. Now, as my learned colleague has put before the court, in order, um, in line in with the point guard rule, there can be no increase or decrease taken into consideration upon notice of expropriation. So with what we have submitted in terms of the act that we have just put before the court, um, although it is not clear when when the applications were submitted and whatnot, um, but we submit that no further steps were taken by the first respondents in making sure that the 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 the, the permits were received at a timely fashion to the benefit rather of the applicants. I would like to move on to invite the court to paragraph four point one of the heads of argument of the first respondent. Okay. Um, the first respondents agree that the land is currently being used for agricultural purposes and for those purposes the land is valued at 940,000. I would invite the court to 10.3 of the Heads of Argument The first respondents submit at um, paragraph B of 10.3 that the the, 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 um, the first respondent, or Ms. Grantham rather, intends on submitting the, the the application, that it has not yet been done. This is by their own volition.
2: W- where, where is this paragraph?
1: 10.3? 10.3B. It help reads as in follows. India. Second, the landowners have made significant investments in the land by planning to take loans to help ease the process for rezoning of the land.
2: I'm sure it's for the process to okay.
1: It is clear from this that um, the loans have not commenced. At this point, by their own submissions, they are only planning to take it and it has not taken effect. I would like to move on to paragraph 5.3 of the Heads of Argument.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. There is a quote they have used. Mm -hmm. It reads as follows. The word compensation, as stated by Southwood, I um, will skip the name mm-hmm. of the case. Has a strong connotation of equality between what is given and what is lost. What has been given to the applicant is the land, and the land is valued at nine hundred and forty thousand. So it should be common cause that what is lost to the first respondent is the land, which is also valued at nine hundred and forty thousand. So no consideration, um, in our view, should be taken of the nine hundred thousand which has been invested in the DDC. And not in the actual land. We put before the court that the point guard rule, as we have stated, has been incorporated into the Constitution and paragraph C of section 25, subsection 3, cannot be read while disregarding the point guard rule.
2: Thank you. Thank you. You, Now you may be seated. Okay so we'll now deliberate um, on, on what was presented to us and we'll let you know when judgment is ready.